You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to introduce Adam Frost to talk about his new book, This Damn Lovely. Adam Frost was born and raised in Vancouver. He began as an actor and now works as a television writer and producer, best known for the crime shows Tribal and Castle. He lives on the east side of Los Angeles. He's also one hell of a t-ball coach. Adam, thank you so much for um, coming on. Also, I said this when I meant the damn lovely, just so the listeners, you know, don't. <laughs> it's all right. Like, yes, wait. thank you. Thank no, you. Yeah, it's uh, the damn lovely. But, the uh, damn lovely. Yeah. Not this, but you know, it's this book. This book, That's right. the damn lovely. Um, how are you doing today, Adam? Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm. Uh, I've been going to Skylight for many, many years. Uh, I used to live right down the street, and uh, yeah, many, many, many nights uh, and Sundays spent at Skylight. Love it. I mean, same. But you know. I get paid for it. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I don't get paid. They just give you bucks and, you know, it works out anyways. Um, well, I, you have a reading for us to, today? I'm excited to hear it. I do, yeah. So, um, Damn Lovely is the name of a dive bar uh, in Glendale. And uh, the book uh, is a murder mystery. And uh takes place with this uh guy sort of at a crossroads in his life which i'll sort of get into in the in the reading and um uh, when a patron gets murdered there he uh takes it upon himself to use some of the influences some of the other patrons who are ex-cops and and the bar is run by an ex-cop to try and uh, solve the murder himself when he doesn't sort of buy the uh the local pd's angle I'm gonna, let's go. I'm ready. All right. I took a sip and checked my phone, waiting for the screen to sing, praying, hoping. She held her ground and I lost the fight. The empty telephone reminding me I had no excuses to be in a better place, to be successful. I was an American. I was white. I grew up safe and surrounded by love. There was money for birthday parties and proper schools. I had a college degree in communications. I traveled to Southeast Asia, seen Europe, touched down in South Africa. I had a sweet girl who liked to cook and wanted a ring. We had an apartment in West Hollywood with good light. I'd found marketing early and wrote ad copy for seven years. Logos, corporate promos, internet ribbons, microcopy draw, quippy garbage that paid the rent and then some. I was on the right track until I broke, crashed the cart and pulled the plug on my world of California lies. Staring at those smiling faces across the Doheny dinner table that night, the masquerade of happiness, the Instagram sham. There was no substance, no truth, no intent for anything more than gain. I had sealed the truth for years, locked and bottled that depression south, convinced I could kick it, convinced the gnaw would pass. Things are great, I kept saying, things are great. But something about those faces on that very Doheny night popped the cork and shattered the glass. I called it out, I let it rip ugly. These weren't my friends, they were assets, nothing more. 
this wasn't love, this was compliance on rails. I needed something pure, something with purpose and mine, all mine that I truly adored. So I quit the girl who liked to cook, lost the apartment with the light and moved to Glendale where it was cheaper, where there was no good light. And worst of all, I was compelled by a force inside my bones to write something real, something long and from the heart, something maybe even wise. This more and more, it seemed may have been a grave mistake. It was in no way working out. Still, I refuse to believe in misery. An honest rut is all. It'll turn around soon. It has to, because when you're going through hell in Glendale, keep going, right? So, soldier on. Live with intent and drown those voices out. Drown them out, soldier. Swish, swish. A red Trojan alpha bro is swiping right at the bar. Americana runoff sipping a sea breezer with a skinny lime. Slice and I shared a healthy glare of disdain when Jules crossed behind you, nodded to stool nine. She's back, Jules cooed. And there she was, hiding her green eyes under a black felt fedora and a worn out paperback of To the Lighthouse. She had dark brown hair pinned low at the back, wore a simple white V-neck tee exposing that soft skin around her collarbone. She sat straight with her legs crossed in black jeans that pinched in at her waist, exposing a band of flawless smooth lower back. She kept her face down, never spoke to a soul beyond ordering a drink and never looked at her phone. Not once, not once had I seen her look at her phone. Instead, she just buried her eyes in that book, drowning out the world with a Negroni and Wolf's words like some kind of mystery from a different era. She'd been in four times now by my count. It was consistent. Early in the afternoon, same drink, same book, alone, like an oasis in this godforsaken Glendale desert. I'd already applied Giles for credit card intel, but the unicorn paid cash. I rehearsed my ways in. Hard to believe Virginia Woolf was only 15, 59 when she walked into that river. There's no way you live in Glendale. They say the Negroni was created by a count in Florence looking to spice up his usual cocktail. I could never pull off wearing a fedora like that. Drivel. Desperate rank, sure to piss her off. I mean, how was I supposed to compete against the wolf? Giles snickered wise, but I didn't care. I was hooked hard and caved after watching her for an hour and 27 minutes. Hopped off my stool and crossed behind her, hoping to catch a scent of something as magical as she looked. It paid off when I caught a piece of something simple and sweet and beautifully feminine. When I got back to my school, I tried, school, stool, I tried not to stare and failed magnificently. She pulled a worn out denim shirt from her bag and wrapped the sleeves around her waist, closing the gap on that lower back. She had to know I was watching her, the way she shifted her legs, spinning that straw on the bar, clawing it around like a cat with her thin slender fingers, those polished nails, she loved it. Or did she? Maybe she just liked to read, or maybe she wants you to talk to her. Maybe she wants to be left alone in peace. Roy Orbison cooed from the jukebox singing for a better tomorrow. No shit, Roy, maybe tomorrow. The Trojan stain put down his phone, swilled his vodka crayon and chewed crude on his ice cubes, taking in the room, clocking that fedora now. Virginia Woolf, huh? Fedora smiled, nearby slice grinned on his stool, round one. To the lighthouse? What happens at the lighthouse? It all burned. Let me buy you another drink and you can tell me what's so special about this lighthouse anyway, he blathered. What is that, Campari? No thanks, she, saw, said, so, she, said, she said softly. She spoke. I was enthralled, hoping for a few more magical syllables, but the Trojan kept barking. Come on, you look like you'd use some company instead of that stupid old book. He left me no choice. I think she just wants to read. Fedora craned her face my way, curious. The Trojan twisted. I held my ground and stared down his ugly red University of Spoiled Children sweatshirt. Just saying, man, look at her body language. I don't know this woman, but I know this. See her fingers, those little white tips at the end, pressing up the table like that? That means she's uncomfortable. They weren't like that before you started barking at her. 
She flashed a sweet smile my way like she might have been impressed or possibly even thankful. I don't remember asking you. I could feel his fight boner starting to grow. She smiled and mouthed the words, thank you, rattling my heart some. Then she turned back his way. I'm really just trying to read. See, just leave her alone. The Trojan stood up and walked towards me, barking his way down the bar. Fedora squirmed, those fingertips still burning white. Maybe tomorrow, Roy belted. Eat shit, Roy. Maybe now, you prick. I barked back. I took my swing and cracked his jaw. The world went cold and slowed way down. His fists ripped into my gut. I doubled over, and then his fat finger slammed into my nose. Blood hit the bar. Blood sprinkled the limes. Slice cackled. Paw groaned. Giles roared. Fedora smiled sweet. I hit the ground fast and hard, but I was a hero. For a moment, I was her goddamn hero. And then my world smashed to black. Thank you for that reading. Was... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, you did a great job of that reading. You have the you have the gritty um, voice of that down. Um, listen, if you have the, if they are looking for an audiobook reader for it, throw your hat in the ring. Why not? No, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I, I haven't, even, haven't got that got that far yet, but thanks, Lance. <laughs> no problem. Uh, um, so I wanted to start off talking about you know. This book feels very like an L.A. noir book. It just feels like very L.A. to me. When I first saw it, I was like, yeah, this is a person who um, this is a person who like really appreciates the city in a way that like like, uh, you know, uh, Raymond Chandler-esque, um, you know, a Raymond Chandler-esque writer. Right way to say yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, I, look, uh, it's there are, are uh, parallels to Chandler for sure. I mean, I just I like that kind of writing that sort of cuts to the bone. It's not too pretty. It's kind of jagged, and and I just uh, it was actually born writing that way. It was it was actually born out of like the fear of writing a first novel because uh, this is my first novel, and it was it was sort of terrifying, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere along the lines, I heard I heard someone say like, "Well, just try writing one sentence at a time." And so, mm-hmm. um, it sort of it sort of dispelled that sort of uh, angst about like mm-hmm. I'll just never get it done, and and all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, I guess I'm writing like a bit like Raymond Chandler here." Uh, but then I I think uh, you know, um, I find like in the first draft, it was, it was very much like that. And then as you sort of go over, over and over, you, uh, I found I was able to sort of make it my own. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you, did your relationship with LA, you know, evolve or change while writing it? Like, did you have to like, you know, see a different side of the city you've lived in? Um, I, I wouldn't say it. I mean, the protagonist has a certain point of view on mm-hmm. Glendale and, yeah. and, and everything. And, and I like, I, I don't, I don't, some people sort of conflate my opinion with Glendale versus the protagonists. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a grudge against Glendale. Glendale. <laughs> For him, it's more like he's found, he had sort of this, this, this dream of mm-hmm. being in sort of, I don't know, West Hollywood, uh, Beverly Hills, blah, blah, blah. And so to find yourself in Glendale, I think for him, uh, that's sort of where that comes from. Um, but I, I, I do think like, you know, this city sort of skews 
west and i feel like yeah uh I myself live on the east side and I identify mm-hmm. as an east side LA guy. Right. Um, but I mean, my relationship with LA didn't, didn't, didn't change so much over the course mm-hmm. of, the, of writing it. No, I mean, I think the east side is the better side. Am I saying that as a person <laughs> who also lives on the east side? Yeah. No, there is, I mean, there is a east, east side, west side kind of thing in LA, isn't there? Like a, like a, um, I don't I don't even know how to explain it like the west side west siders look down on the east siders but east siders also look down on the west siders we it's it's back and forth but like yeah I I don't know I don't know it's a funny divide I think I I think uh yeah I just think you know when I talk to my family who majority of them live in Canada Mm -hmm. and I say I live in LA they have this image of just palms you know palm trees and ocean Mm -hmm. breezes and Laguna Beach and or or some something like that and I and uh that's just not sort of how I I live my life like I I act I can go to the beach but it like takes an hour after some serious traffic to get there so I really gotta want it yeah Uh, and I just think I I think no matter where we I just think um wherever we are sort of uh identifies us a little bit you know in LA and I I mean a hundred percent I think that the um I mean, I was trying to, I was home recently visiting my family on the East Coast and same where I was like trying to explain where I live. And they were like, okay, so how close is that to the beach? I'm like, no, I live in East, I live in East Hollywood. Like I'm not close to the beach at all. Right. They're like, like okay. It's there. It's there. Right. And they're like, so, so is there, so there's East Hollywood. Is there a South Hollywood? I was like, I, I don't know how to explain this to you guys anymore. I was like, I was, I just, it's, it's so hard to explain for to people who don't live out here too where I think like I mean like books like this kind of give it also like a grittier a gritty vibe that I think exists there is that gritty vibe in a a LA too where like you know anyone could be a private eye at any second who knows like you know (laughs) like like absolutely when I first moved here I, I knew guys who were you know aspiring actors but they were working as you know for for private investigation firms because it was a job they could do right sort of punch in and punch out and it's it's there's also a romantic especially for like i feel like a lot of i mean actors yes but like writers too like a romanticism of it which i feel like is in your book right like a romanticism of like the life of a private eye in the sense of like i could do this i could be a hero in my own right yes uh Oh man, I have so many thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I, no, I do because uh, I've given it a lot of thought. I think mm. I think there's a total romanticism of the private. I mean, I think if you talk to any real private investigators, it's it's not nearly as uh, pretty and glossy and exciting as as is glorified. Yeah. Um, but I also I also think having uh, written for like a murder show mm. for five years, uh, I sort of see, I, I, there's just sort of like this thing in me now that I'm like I'm convinced I can do it I knew I, I know I could do it and I, I can't like I'm not just <laughs> the farthest thing from a PI I, it's, just, it's just not like I have dreams and yes yeah, so mm. I, I get the aspiration angle of it all yeah and I mean it's it's a cool aspiration it's a cool aspiration like why like I mean for your protagonist 
um, it, it, it kind of falls into his lap, right? It kind of is a, it falls into his lap, but he also like, you know, wants it a little bit too, right? Absolutely. And, and, and he, and more than anything, he is grasping at some kind of identity and, and mm -hmm. uh, at this crossroads. And when this happens, he's all of a sudden, um, he's found something to set his hooks into to sort of give him some purchase in life and say, well, if maybe if, if, if I figure this out, oh, I will be worth something. Yeah. Um, which is an LA, a very LA personality to have, you know, there's, it is. Yeah. It I is. mean, uh, during, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about that. We're like, you know, it's a city where like, you don't, you can't plan stuff. You have to like, you can't plan, you know, you could make plans on who you think you're going to be and all this stuff. And I mean, do you feel like, I know you said you're, there's a lot of difference with you, your idea, your views of LA and the protagonist, but in that aspect of like identity and trying to find your identity through, you know, what you're doing at the moment, do you feel any sort of relationship with you and your protagonist on that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's, there's definitely uh, some overlap, Lance. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do, I do identify with some of, some of his sort of uh, his point of view, but I, I agree. I think LA, it's such a, it's such a fantastic wild city. And I just, uh, you know, I've lived here 15 years now and mm -hmm. uh recently became an American and, and uh, all mm -hmm. these things uh, that that just has an impact on you. But when I first got here, um, I was just sort of overwhelmed with the size mm -hmm. of the city and, and and choosing where to live. And all of a sudden that sort of puts you in a certain category or what you want to do. Uh, it's all, yeah, it's all pretty overwhelming. <laughs> it is. It's an overwhelming city. Yeah, um, and then you sort of you find yourself um, in a certain like uh, when when I was getting a trying to break into television, I knew somebody who worked on a show, and he was the one mm -hmm. who sort of helped me get the job. And if I didn't know that person, I, I don't know if I would have been on that kind of show, which sort of right. set me on a certain path. Mm -hmm. um, so there's sort of a, a weird fatalistic thing going on but also yeah. uh yeah it's sort of helpless yeah to it all i mean and i feel like you kind of that helplessness is kind of what like sets off your protagonist right the helplessness of like what am i am i is this city like i'm not gonna let this city you know control my life anymore i'm not gonna be helpless to the city i'm gonna like it feels like the to be the idea to become a private eye it would be like fighting back against that you're like i'm not going to let the city do what it keeps doing again i'm going to be a change in this i'm going to make a change yeah and he is he is drowning <laughs> drowning out himself drowning in bourbon drowning in you yeah. know in how to live and trying to sort of grasp at at some kind of uh some kind of anything identity yeah. Yeah. yeah which i think a lot of people go through when you get here yeah um it's just you've got to try and try and find something that mm -hmm. and the first thing 
people sort of ask you when you go to parties, what do you do? And, and I think we just attach so much of that to, to um, our profession here. Yeah. I mean, what do we, what do you do is one of the most, oof, it's just, it's one of those questions <laughs> that like, I just, you dread hearing, like, you're like, oh God, what do I do? Like, what, what, is, like, I feel like I like soft violin music plays when I'm doing that. I'm just having an existential crisis and like, you know, the, the spotlight <laughs> hits me and I'm just, ugh, it's the worst. It's the worst. But um, it just, uh it's I want to I want to kind of pivot now because you kind of talked about it a little bit to you as a writer so you are a screen you're a tv writer right now how how did your relationship as a writer kind of grow into um you know writing this debut novel of yours uh I would say it it, it a lot of it happened because um of spite <laughs> uh I, I really i was writing i was writing sort of pitches and outlines and and writing pilots and scripts and and it was it was it was all great but it was like mm -hmm. at the end of the day i wanted to write something that was just the thing and right. uh, i was so hungry just to to break out of uh break out of that sort of pattern where every day you write or you work on a document that never sees the light of day. Um, and so I would just start each day with like, okay, I'm just gonna squirrel away 15 minutes here or a little bit just to try, just to try and like give myself something. Um, mm -hmm. and, and from that, I was like, you know, it just got bigger and bigger yeah and then yeah. uh and then i sort of made a commitment at one point just to be like okay i gotta finish this thing which was really hard and that that that's <laughs> that's when it got really hard but i did it you did it how long how long was that process um i mean i would say the i was working part of the for half of it i was working for half of it i was not on staff so uh but overall like a year basically mm. between writing and rewriting oh, the, the best part right rewriting the... i actually didn't mind rewriting this i i, I sort of liked wow. because when i first started it was very jagged and rough mm. and and by the end i i felt like i'd sort of had i got used i got into the rhythm of writing it and you know not being being a screenwriter by day and then being sort of novelist at night was uh, it was just like a different gear. And mm -hmm. once I sort of fell into it, I was, it, it became easier. It was like just going to the gym. I'd, I'd been exercising that muscle more and more. Mm -hmm. And so when I went after like eight months of writing, I went back and I said, uh, in the beginning, I was like, oh God, this is terrible. And I sort of, I, it was really helpful. Like, uh, you know, I really liked actually rewriting Mm -hmm. which doesn't usually happen you know usually it's a bother you're like oh okay I got my first draft and I just want to press send but um yeah yeah I, just, I actually didn't mind it no I mean like that's that's great like <laughs> you are <laughs> you are a lucky few who like the I mean I've more people like the rewriting process I do not but um and I to the writers who don't 
again i'm with you i stand in solidarity for the writers who don't yeah well usually it sucks but i don't know no i mean i do you think it's because you know this was something different something like your own project that you could you were working on there was no deadline there Mm -hmm. yeah there's no deadline there was no expectation it was only because i wanted it to be and and there's a certain freedom there versus you know once someone's expecting Mm-hmm. greatness then all of a sudden it's like well i gotta deliver greatness and then all of yeah. a sudden your creativity gets kind of uh it, it can it can be challenging to sort of mm-hmm. uh shake that off i think i mean that and how was that like process of like you know switching from uh tv writer during the day to a novelist at night and you know going back and forth on that oh man <laughs> Ah, it was great and painful. Like, uh, you know, I just, I, there's just not enough hours in the day, especially when you've got two kids, two young Mm -hmm. kids that, Mm -hmm. uh, so to, to carve out those, that extra, like, all right, when (laughs) as labels, like the dishes are done, lunches are done, everything's done. It's like nine 30. I just want to, I just want to turn off my brain, but like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to crank out. Okay. I'm going to crank out an hour of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard, but it was very rewarding at the end of the day. No, I mean that I it's, it's, it has to be right. It feels like it has to be in a way of like, not has to be in the sense of like, it has to be this, but like, it has to be rewarding to like, you know, push through and do that, especially with two young kids. I, I, Oof, you are good for you good for <laughs> congratulations like well, well no I, it's not easy I, and, and honestly I you know I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. and uh I just I, I'm almost speaking to those writers who 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 have found themselves in that sort of in-between phase where it's mm-hmm. I just think you got to keep going and I and I I just shout out to those to those people because I've been there and 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 yeah. I don't know. I guess this is a testament to like to that it, that it can happen that it can be real. What have you as like for your first novel and coming at it as a writer um, already? What have you? What did you learn about like you know your own writing process and you know just like doing this new form of writing for yourself? um what have you learned anything about you know just yeah what have anything? I learned yeah what have you learned sure I um I'd say first off I learned not to be so afraid mm-hmm. uh which I think when you're sort of I learned not to talk about it uh I think it's important well for my for me anyway uh I didn't really talk about this book with many people I sort of kept it secret um but I had a goal and that goal, <laughs> I, I, I sort of just discovered, yeah, more, more or less to keep it sort of private. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped myself halfway through there because I actually went to a new year's Eve party as mm-hmm. after I had written like some of it. And mm-hmm. after a few drinks, I was the guy at the table who said, okay, I'm going to write a novel this year. <laughs> and then, and then I didn't, you know, I, it was out there and it really, yeah. it, it truly propelled me to like, keep going uh and by the way like it was sort of may june where i looked at my watch and i was like oh man i really got if i'm if i'm gonna be uh if i stand up to my word i really better 
crank this thing out. Um, but but just getting back to your question, I know. Uh, yeah, I just I I I learned not to sort of be afraid. I learned not to worry about copying other voices that I was very afraid of doing. Uh, I just sort of. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say those are those are a couple things that I just learned uh, by doing it. And I mean, how was that when you first like when you finished and had to like now show people <laughs> like how was that? that Terrifying, been... <laughs> excited. I mean, I did the th you know I I, I much to probably my rep chagrin. I sort of had been sinking some a lot of time into this thing that they didn't know about. So I. I gave them the old email, which I'm sure they hate when their clients do this, but I was like, oh, uh, I wrote a book. Uh, and, and they're like, whoa, that's incredible. And uh, I was, it was very rewarding. And then it was sort of like, well, we'll see if we can sell it. And, 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 and thankfully they, they did. And I was very uh, excited that, 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 that sort of, they were able, they got excited about it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so yeah, did I answer that question? <laughs> no, I think you did. Yeah, no, I mean that's, I mean it's that's terrifying. Probably, though. Yeah, nerve wracking to like, yeah, you know, especially after you said you were like trying to like, like you know, keep it a secret, hold, keep it to yourself for so long. You must be like, all right, now I have to send this. It's your, it's your third child now that you're like, all right, I have to see what people think yeah. of this. What people think of this now? I have to keep let it out into the world and see what comes back. Yeah, there was this, this is crazy. Sometimes, you know, uh, Twitter can be a bit of a crazy thing, but there's, so, there's some tweets that stick with you. And one tweet mm -hmm. was Ronald McDonald sitting in front of uh, on a park bench. And there was like a mountain of destruction behind him and he's smiling. And somebody made some, some writer made some joke about like, oh, this is, I, I even forget what they said, mm -hmm. but ultimately it was somebody wrote a quit like yeah this is why i never talk about my projects that aren't that aren't done or yeah. finished because mm -hmm. that's what they <laughs> that's how i took it anyway that like yeah. you got to keep it close and then when it's ready you mm -hmm. know have the courage to ship it off and mm -hmm. i mean that's that's the that's that's the hardest part you know to yeah to it's the game even, right lance it's the game it's the game it's <laughs> It's the game. You got to put yourself out there. You got to make yourself vulnerable to see if you know what what comes of it. Um, what? Because because you're you're still writing television. You're still um, mm -hmm. doing. You're still a TV writer at the throughout all of this. Do you think though that like like this is the next step for you? Like novelist is not the next step in, in the sense of you're like walking away from TV, but like you know that you're this is a new uh era for you uh yeah i, I would say that uh, i'm excited to keep doing it mm -hmm. um but it's not my day job so to speak yeah. uh i just um it's something i, I like doing concurrently I, mm -hmm. you know i don't i think every right most right even most tv writers i know now like it's they have to they're always writing something even mm -hmm. you know with respect to the project that they're on there's always sort of the background the app is running of like what the yeah. next project is or um and I, I just think yeah why not throw throw novels into the mix as well as you know right. what's the next show that we're working on the next pitch mm -hmm. that we're working on um 
yeah. you're always running you're always running it's always it's the it's the I mean, I feel like especially if he, you doing it like all day, like switching between um, TV and novels, how you can't turn that off, right? <laughs> no, it, I can't, can't now. I've, been, I've just been wired uh, I mean, a certain way. I hope you got. To, I hope you take some took some time. You know, after I mean, the book is coming out when uh, this podcast comes out. I believe it'll be uh, the week after that the book will be um, available in the stores. I mean, okay, have Next you taken? may 2nd yeah have you taken any time to like you know just sit with it and you know kind of kind of like you know just celebrate the fact that this book is coming out for yourself oh yeah yeah no uh plenty of celebration like uh yeah no there's no i think actually i think it's important to kind of uh have that downtime Mm -hmm. creatively uh so that you're not just hard for me anyway, not just hard charging to the next one and sort of letting it like, okay, you know, make some decisions about what, what's exciting you. And um, yeah. So to answer your question, I had some, I had plenty of downtime to kind of reset and think about what's next and all that other, all those fun questions that of course I'm looping my reps into now. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to ask, if, if I mean, I've had been having a great time. This has been so much fun to talk about this. I mean, I feel like this has been one of the most like LA centered <laughs> episodes I've done. Oh, cool. um, but um, you're so you you're the TV shows you've worked on have also been like, you know, Castle is. Would you say Castle's like a, it's a it's a it's a police. Um, it's a procedural show but would you say it's gritty i don't i wouldn't say it's gritty gritty no it wasn't no. a gritty show at all it was it was yeah. a it was more glossy than gritty i'd say yeah an abc show yeah um that being said there was there was i guess there were certain episodes that were kind of darker darker yeah uh, sort of was a murder mystery that sort of balanced i would i would say uh my you know they did a great they did a really good job of balancing mm-hmm. the humor with the, the stakes right um and so then, yeah no it was not but tribal's grid tribal's grittier right it is yeah, it, yeah it's much more sort of uh much more on the gritty grittier scale greater scale so like with tribal and castle and like this book you've done like a lot of like the the procedural kind of um investigative uh works is are do you want to continue that or is there any other genres that you would like to explore as well um i i do like a little bit of crime uh in my writing uh i do um, crime is fun i love crime uh, crime is always it's there's always a place in every genre f- or any um not genre any like sp- art space for like the crime investigative we love a good everyone loves a good crime show yeah. That being said, like I, I do, um, you know, as a father, I definitely have found myself gravitating just towards uh, more character-driven sort of dramas mm-hmm. that that uh, I've suddenly have a greater understanding for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I definitely, I also like sort of. Crime is to me the back can also be the background 
but mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's all about it's all about the characters yeah. first and foremost right um so uh it doesn't have to be sort of crime specific but mm -hmm. and i'm I, you know i'm a sucker for a good sci-fi sci-fi <laughs> mystery sci-fi i mean sci-fi is always a a sci-fi mystery is always a fun time too because then you get to like you know your own world you get to kind of control um yeah, yeah it's always it's always a fun time but yeah no i agree the character like chandler also was kind of a champion that of being like there's a here's a crime but also like you're going to be entranced by this character um that i've created um and it's just no it's it's almost as important as the crime i think for a crime drama yeah. um yeah i agree no this has been well thank you for this episode it's been great having you on um this is i'm excited for this book um to the listeners the damn lovely is on sale uh may may 2nd um you can buy it at your local bookstores um including skylight books if that's your local bookstore but if not go go to your local independent bookstore and get yourself a copy um adam is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners uh or the you know independent bookstore community no lance thanks so much for having me on it's been a true honor i've, I've been a uh, I just love Skylight for many, many years. So uh, I even had a line in the book where he, the protagonist went to Skylight, but it ended up being at 3 a.m. in the morning. So I couldn't justify it. It killed me to take it out. He went to he went to Fred sixty two across the street though. For what okay, Fred. Okay, okay. I mean that's that's in the neighborhood. That's in the, like the the readers will know. The readers will be like, oh, definitely went to Skylight afterwards. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the move. You go to Fred and you go to Skylight. Um, that's right. You get your milkshake. You get your chocolate milkshake at Fred sixty two, and you walk it over, and then you yeah. you, 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 you find the books. books. Exactly. Like, oh. Um, I'm telling you, that's that's if you're if you're visiting la do that do that's the, right that's the that should be part of like go it. to a movie at los Angeles three after yeah, it's, it's, that's it's, the it's the perfect perfect day there i feel like that's a la tour like to that should be a part of an la tour go to fred 62 skylight and see a movie <laughs> afterwards um, no but thank you adam this has been a great episode um to my listeners thank you if this is your first time thank you for listening there's some great episodes go back and listen to some we have some on our some on the way if you're returning thank you for coming back i pre i appreciate and love all of you you guys all have a great rest of your day do something nice for yourself and see you again soon bye Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.